Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster, a managing partner of Invader Comics and the writer of both Kadoja and Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Melisanda for The Accidental Aliens. Yeah, man. And we're we're back at it with another week of the dope shit. So uh, so to sit th- set this off, what do you uh, what you got going on there, alcohol wise? I hear you tapping the can. Yes, and, sir. Uh, and so, oh, so so show me, brother. Squirting everywhere, just right all over my keyboard. What Jeez is what, are we are we talking about beer? Yes, yes. Just <laughs> this this first time, yeah. Um, okay, so I have Tapa Tapa Brewing Company, uh, KQ Express Hoppy Rice Lager. So it's, uh, that's a, the name itself is what got me. I was like, oh, all right. I don't know that I've had a rice lager before. So, oh man. Yeah. Uh, I love rice lagers. I, just, oh, the, okay. the Harlan Japanese is rice. Um, I think oh, then I have. Before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Then I have had, um, yeah. and this has lime, lychee and jasmine. So our testing notes. Yeah. So let's see how it is. And it is a 5.7. Okay. While you test that, I will say I am a sucker for rice lagers. I love them. Love them. So, uh, let's see what we got here. I like it. It is very good. It's very smooth. Um, there's no problems. This is going to be a nice night of drinking beer right here. Okay. Nice. Nice. And, and you, I... Uh, I think I got it from Trader Joe's. So next time you're at Trader Joe's, give it a look. Man. Um, and this is what the can looks like. So you could look for that. Your San Diego Trader Joe's are so much cooler than mine, man. Like, you have no <laughs> idea. It's like, it's like San Diego, there are cool brewery places here, but not a lot of them make their way into Trader Joe's. Like, the brewery is cool, but their shit's too expensive to be in Trader Joe's. And uh, I don't know, man. It just seems like my local beer store is just invasion of the IPAs these days. Mm. You know, and it's like, I look, I love IPAs. Hazy IPAs are great. You know, like, I do find myself drinking a lot of IPAs. But my God, I just feel like I'm bludgeoned over the goddamn head in beer stores with IPAs. Um, my, my stash is getting pretty low and I actually at lunch today went to total wine and was just looking for some beers and the IPA section was massive. And I'm just like, God damn it. I am not in the mood for IPAs. And, uh, and then finally I got, I ended up getting like the scotch ales or bourbon barrel stuff like Kentucky bourbon barrel, kilt lifter, just, just to put some beers that are my favorites in the fridge for a little bit, you know? Yeah. Same. There was a ton of IPAs. I mean, San Diego, yeah, San Diego's a brew town, so there's tons of different beers, but it's definitely heavy on the IPAs. And I was just looking around for anything else that wasn't, you know? So yeah. I think I got like one hazy, and but then I was just looking for anything else. And, and I saw this can, and I was like, yeah, why not? And so next time I go, I'll be picking up some more. So if you guys don't have it up there, then I'll definitely save one or two for you to bring back home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we we got it. We have to have an offline conversation after this about uh, Trader Joe's and stuff. But yes, uh, once, all right, sounds once, good. Once we're done recording, um, okay. all right. So I am drinking Belching Beaver Breweries, branded and barreled. We are hitting it hard with the bees, friends. This is the coconut and vanilla branded and barreled. It is Ooh. a Kentucky bourbon barrel aged stout with coconut and whole Ugandan vanilla beans. Oh um, shit! I guess now they're not whole in the can. Like it's not like a like chunky style beer, <laughs> but, uh, dude, it's excellent. It is a uh, 11.9%. Um, and I feel like, I feel like I need to bring Punxsutawney fill out or something to celebrate the fact that this just feels like the end of stout season for me, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm down to a few. It was 90 degrees today for a high. Now, now enter the, 
the seven months of you know Los Angeles, inland LA, whatever, inland empire uh, heat, that's probably going to be it. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see if, if I can continue this bourbon barrel um, stout or, you know, any, any kind of stout thing that I've been going on because I basically like I'm just I've just been crushing stouts over these last six months so we will see where it all goes this thing is delicious and like I just said about IPAs I just I don't know if I'm ready to come back to them yet you know like there's just there's just so many and I I still have some in my fridge we can't escape them it's like it's like I don't remember buying them and then they're there and I'm like well this seems kind of good and then I have it and it's fine but uh, yeah I just I'm, I'm really looking for something different in the beer section, aside from IPAs right now, and it's it's it feels harder than it should be, you know. You gonna be looking for something way more <laughs> than an IPA, <laughs> man. <laughs> Very well done. Very well done. All right, with that, Thank you. Uh, what was the first thing you did this week, man? Well, the most important thing was um, one day I knocked out five pages of pencils in one sitting, in one day. Not one sitting. God. Let's 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 reframe re- refresh that a little bit. Not in one sitting, but uh, yeah, it was one day. I was just I started the day hot. It was just going really well, and uh, the pencil inks were or the pencil leads were were flowing. You know, the digital mm-hmm. pencil lead was flowing. So um, I was like, you know what? I I don't think I'm going to ink today. I think I'm just going to keep tackling the pencil end of this and see how far I can get. And then within an hour. I had finished the first page and I started the second page. And then uh, a couple of hours later, I finished the second page and I went to the third page. And I was like, this is freaking nuts. Like this is, it was so crazy. I was on such a roll that, uh, you know, I was just like, okay, I can't stop. I want to see how many pages I hit, I could hit today. And the goal, like after I hit the second page, is like, I want to see if I get to five. Like I want to see if I could pencil five pages today. And I did. You know, uh, I think it came down to like 1130, which is still pretty early for me. I think I go to bed normally around 12 to one. If I'm, if I'm working and it's all flowing, like I'll just stay up and keep going. But, uh, 1130 hit and I was like, you know what? I think I'm good. Like, I think I've Mm -hmm. hit the quota today. Um, I don't feel like I'm cheating myself by stopping 30 minutes to an hour 30 early. And, uh, it was fantastic, man. I was just like, holy shit, is this what Jack Kirby felt like every single day of his life? Where he's just <laughs> throwing it down and going, okay, next next page, you know, next page, yeah. next next page. And and it's it's highly rewarding. Like, it was such a great day. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, Mama cooked a breakfast with no hogs. The hog, the Lakers beat the Supersonics. You didn't oh. have to use your AK. <laughs> it's a yeah. good day. It's a good day. Um, no, that's, okay, so how many sittings did you break that up over? You said you didn't do it in one sitting. So how many sittings was it? You know, it's 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 too tough to say because I would draw, and, and this is kind of this is how I do it, and I don't know how everyone else does it out there. Um, but I'll sit and I'll draw for for a while, and then if something comes up, I'll just put it down. I'll get up and do it, or I'll go, oh hey, I got to go do this real quick, and and so I kind of have a tendency to get up a lot, um, which isn't great. Like, I don't think, but then I'll go through these runs where I won't get up for a long period of time. Uh, but that's, that's kind of like a constant, like throughout the day. So it, it's, it's way too hard to track how many times I've got up, but mm-hmm. honestly it was, it was a constant all day long. It wasn't necessarily me stopping for long periods of time, but it was just like, oh, I got to feed the dogs. Or I got to take the dogs out. You know, I got to go to the bathroom, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the case is time for lunch. So, you know, I was just doing the regular daily stuff. 
and then just went back to the drawing board. Um, and, and so, you know, I would say it was just like an all day event, really. Yeah. So I, I <clears throat> you know, I'll, I could let you know later and I'll just, we'll clue you guys back in on the next episode. Uh, so the fact that I work digitally is a huge benefit because the procreate program, uh, uh, counts how long you've had the application open. So when I open up a file, it starts this countdown. So it's just like, okay, you know, and it just ticks up, ticks up, ticks up. So, um, the, a few of the pages I haven't touched yet. So I'll have a nice, nice idea of how long it took me to do each page. And, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see because, yeah, I, you would think I would look at that by the end of the day, but I was just so pleased with the day's worth of work that I didn't even bother checking. But, uh, yeah, that's something I do on a regular, especially at the end of the page. Like once I'm done penciling and inking, I always check to see how long it took me to do the page or the panel. So like when I do my panel of the days, I always check the time cause I want to see how long it took me. And, um, it's always surprising. Like sometimes it's really long and sometimes it's really fast. It's like, Whoa, that only took me that long. And, uh, you know, days like that, it makes me go, why haven't you done more? <laughs> you know? So we'll see. We'll see. I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that that's, that's super cool. Um, God damn it. I had a thought and I should have written it down because it was a decent thought, but that's okay. It'll, it'll, it'll come back to me uh, maybe in a year. I'm not sure, but uh, it, <laughs> it, it is always, not, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Actually a quick note that we, that, like people who, who listen all the way through this podcast and who are we kidding? All of you are doing that. Like you're, you're good people. And um, what you'll notice is that we're doing a lot here. And at the end, we're going to talk about trips we went on. That's because to go inside baseball, this is a rare time where we we kind of shifted our recording around a little bit to where this is covering two weekends of our time. You know, usually we're recording this weekly and therefore there's one weekend of time where we talk. But in this case, there's two. And uh, since that was your first thing, I am I'm going to follow up what I just said by mentioning that one of my weekends was uh, your version, like my version of what you just did. I. I had a weekend where I was the only family member in town. Eden and and my wife were um, out of town, you know, at a fencing tournament. I was just here. And so I decided for the two days that I was on my own, I was going to do a home and away, basically. I was going to stay home the first day and like, you know, I'm a, you're a late guy. I'm an early guy, dude. Like when it comes to weekends, a lot of times I wake up at six and I just go to the Starbucks and then I write for like two hours just before anyone else in my family's awake. Um, weekdays, you know, my personal thing is I always like weekdays being just go downstairs, go to the kitchen, have coffee, warm up. These last two weeks, it have been it's been get coffee, do Kickstarter stuff on Instagram, promote, do all that crap. Um, but you know, at some point this will be over, and I can go back into my usual ramp up routine. Where today I'm, you know, these days I'm just spending so much time making sure that the word's getting out on the Kickstarter. Which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't backed it yet, you still got a few hours. So Three Protectors Kickstarter is in its final day when this airs. Uh, If you haven't backed it, check it out. And if you have, um, there's a few add-ons you might want to check out. We do these limited invader pins that we're throwing on there that are only going to be available through Kickstarters. And they're little sprites um, in the spirit of old Space Invaders stuff. They're all original, so there's no IP infringement. And uh, the more Kickstarters you back and the more add-ons you get, you can get a nice little pin board all set up. So so do check that out, even if you've backed it. But 
what's great about, you know, the, the home and away thing is I woke up, I just went to Starbucks on my own, right? And then I, I wrote and then I came back and then I walked my dog. And then I basically mirrored what you were doing, right? Then, then I sat at my kitchen counter and I wrote for an hour and a half. And then I went and met my parents for lunch and I didn't write at all. But then on the way back, I stopped somewhere else and I wrote for an hour and a half. And uh, then the next day, I woke up and I did my favorite little spot. I went to Lake Arrowhead again. I woke up in the morning. I actually went to Starbucks again in the morning. Then I came home and walked my dog because I don't want my dog to, you know, I want her to do what she needs to do on her walks. So I'm not just cooping her up in a kennel or alone in a house for, you know, 17 hours in a row. Um, But then after that, it was like still only 9 a.m. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going up to Arrowhead anyway. So I did that. And then it was, again, just write, write a while, get bored of that location, go somewhere else and write more. And over the, those two days, I ended up editing 30 pages. Oh, um, wow. So so my usual, I mean, that's, you know, my usual rule for editing is three pages a day. So therefore, it should have been six pages, but it was 30. And I will say that, wow, like, that's crazy. That's a crazy jump. It's a ton. It's a ton. And what's what's wilder about it is I think in a weird way that understates the work that had to be done because I wrote a lot. It was like just a huge amount of churn because the part I am writing, I think I mentioned this last podcast, I'm at the I'm now at the beginning of act three. I'm at the big act two to three turning point. I'm in all that stuff and there's all this character work and and all these dynamics and all this plot that needs to pay off in this moment. So it's really important to tie it together in a very nice bow. And uh, it was a ton of editing, you know, like it wasn't just 30 pages over a couple days. It was technically actually was 30 pages over three days because I'm looking at my own notes. So I had been working a little bit, you know, going into it and leaking out of it. But still, it's a ton of editing and it was heavy, heavy editing as opposed to sometimes where you do your editing for the day and you're like, you're just changing a few words and you're like, well, you know, this is pretty good. It just needs a a tiny little kick to get it over the top. So, um, so anyway, yeah, man, that was, that was the biggest thing I did just in terms of work, just a, a, a ton of work in in the novel. So, you know, I I mentioned before, it's going to be pretty novel centric as we keep going forward here. And I got another novel thing after this, but, uh, but it's time for your second thing. Um, I have a great idea for your variant cover for the next issue of second shift. And it's, it's this idea that hit me and I ran it by a couple of my buddies and I was like, Hey, have you, I don't want to say too much. Because I don't want someone to steal. I know. The I mean, idea. I know exactly what it is, right? Like one character looks at another and says, "There's a change in the infernal plan." Yeah, exactly. and that's your cover. Like, right? Yeah, it's all set. <laughs> it's just—it's a giant bridge, um, so, but it's not what you think. It's a man bridge. So, <laughs> oh, I've read horror stories with that. <laughs> yeah, those stories are tainted. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Taint. Um, so I thought of this idea and it's based off of a couple of covers that are iconic and I have a particular take on it that I haven't seen done before. And I ran it by a couple of my buddies and they really liked it. And, uh, one of them's like, yeah, I would for sure get that cover. That's, I like the idea of that. And I had already roughed it out. I sent them the rough and, um, you know, got a little bit of feedback. It was just a couple of minor tweaks. And um, yeah, it's off to the races. So I already started inking it. And I started inking it on my trip. So unfortunately, that took like, I was so enamored with the idea that that took the focus of the entire trip that I was there. 
-hmm. So like uh, the whole time I was gone, I was working on this, this variant cover. And um, I honestly, I kind of wish I would have just stuck with the penciled pages because honestly, that was the thought process as well behind doing the five pages, like just doing the pencils. I was like, well, when I'm on the trip, I really don't have to think because it'll all just be inking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like when you're inking your own pencils, there's less thinking involved. Like if you're an inker and you're working on someone else's piece, you have to think like, especially depending how tight or loose they are, if they're super loose, then there's thinking involved, obviously. But when it's tighter, it's just like, well, it's right there for you. Um, for my penciling, I am at the point where I can be very loose with, with the pencil side of it. And I can go straight to inks and uh, fill everything in. And I, I remember like a couple of years ago, the idea of that was kind of crazy to me. Like I would see artists do it and they're like, yeah, this is pretty much all I need. And to me at that time, I was like, that's insane. I would never just need that much information. I would need way more information. And um, I'm finally to the point where I can do that now. It's just like, okay, I have this really rough, loose figure there, but I know exactly what their costume looks like, you know, like the, the angles of their face. I, I know all of that already. So um, it's very cool to be in that state. So um, I wish I would have tackled the inking on that, but just being enamored with that cover, that was like my second thing. Honestly, I think my only other thing uh, because I was so focused on that, even on the plane ride uh, back, I was just working on that like periodically between uh, reading stuff on my my iPad. So my iPad is not only is it my work tablet, but it is also my reading tablet. Mm -hmm. So I have digital comics on there. So I like to read, you know, like on trips. So uh, it was cool. I got I knocked out a few few books and stuff, but uh, you know, worked. I think about seventy five percent done with that alternate cover. Awesome. Awesome. So I wrote down a few things because I didn't want to fuck it up this time. So number <laughs> one, it's it's awesome. That kind of energy is, is the best, isn't it? When you just get this idea and you're like, oh, my God, I have you, you have no choice but to like execute the shit out of that idea. You know, so like I can relate because the story I think I've told on this podcast about how the first thought of the Kadoja soundtrack if not, very quick version. The Kadoja soundtrack came to me on the eve of a recording session that we were going to do for some tracks that have actually been released through funk labels. And that was when the idea of this God fake Godzilla soundtrack got hatched with like big booming orchestration and funk tracks under it. And the nice thing is, once we got done with our songs in the studio, we were able to record the skeleton of the drum tracks that I then turned into that Kadoja soundtrack. Like it happened just in time. And then I used those later, looped them up, did did my stuff, and boom, you've got the Kadoja record too. Two records for the price of one in nice. terms of studio time. Yeah, it was great. So man, when you get that energy, it's so awesome, isn't it? You just you just can't stop. You just can't stop working on this thing. So it's it's cool, like you've said this to me before about something I was talking about. Like it's cool to see the energy in you as you talk. You know, like this is one of those times where it would have been nice to have a video podcast just to see, just so the audience can see how how into it you're getting. Um, so that's that's super cool. Those things are the best when they happen when you just get overcome with a brand new idea and you're like, fuck everything else. I'm working on this. Yeah, that happened to me on my last trip. So I think in 2019, uh, we went to Kauai. My family went to Kauai. And I had some ideas, like just some just some fun imaging that I wanted to do. Like I think it's on the back of Second Shift. Uh, I think it's either eight or nine, and it's an image of Sarah and Eddie, and Eddie is in in the water in a shark tank, and there's sharks surrounding him, and he's like terrified, and Sarah's on like the platform, 
and she's just saying like i told you this is a stupid idea swimming with sharks is a bad idea and like looking into the camera just because like one of my nieces she's super into uh like swimming with sharks and whales and stuff like that i was like you're gonna get fucking eaten like yeah. <laughs> like like i just don't like it. i think it's dumb so i kind of did this uh the more you know or knowing is half mm-hmm. the battle thing and um so i was that was going to be something i was going to continue on on the back cover of all of the issues but i just couldn't think of anything as fun as that so if anyone's got any ideas uh go ahead and shoot to making comics podcast at gmail.com but i've you know gone through so many other things that i like to put on the back cover it's either a pinup from another artist or um the thing i've been doing lately is the public domain characters or like some kind of guest appearance of a character so um like that's been fun but yeah so anyway the same thing happened on that plane ride is like you just like inspiration just hits sometimes and i spent that whole plane ride uh penciling inking and coloring that image so yeah. i actually covered the back the that image and and i think that's by far the best piece that i've ever colored like i i'm not much of a colorist i colored uh, some of the stories in second shift six because it's a uh, it's like a story that's broken up through the coffee shop the you know the main or john um he goes to a coffee shop he's talking to a barista and then it's like it's a holiday special so like the first thing you get is um life day you get halloween right oh, I <laughs> <say>. I <laughs> you get you get eight minutes of wookie dialogue is what <laughs> that's right <laughs> um yeah so the first you know the first scene it's it's uh halloween and then it cuts to the the coffee shop and then it's Thanksgiving, then the coffee shop, and then uh, Christmas, then the coffee shop. So I colored all of the uh, holidays, essentially. And then Joaquin colored the transition uh, parts of the story with with the the coffee shop. So if you guys have Second Shift 6 out there, look at that. Look through those. I colored those stories. And 100%, I do not like how the coloring came out. You know, like, I'm just like, oh, God, when when I do the hardcover, I'm having Joaquin recolor all of those. So it's just so much better. Um, Yeah. But anyway, so like that back cover that I did, it was just one of the best coloring jobs I had ever done. I'm so happy with it. I wish I could duplicate how that came out, but just for whatever reason, I I haven't been able to do it. But uh, anyway, back onto the topic. When the inspiration, you know, strikes, when it strikes you, you got to strike back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the Empire, baby. That's two Star Wars references <laughs> there you in like go. three minutes. Yeah, we drink we up. Did it. We did it. Drink up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was cool. Sorry, listeners can't hear it, but uh, I did have <laughs> I did have one more. We actually had like a four minute conversation. We edited the whole thing out. So maybe maybe someday we meet when we have a Patreon and when the book's out, we're like, here's that damn conversation. <laughs> just just like that lost one we had about the X Men like a year and a half ago. <laughs> we yeah. got lost in time. Uh, okay. Uh, the final thing I wanted to ask you is. So in in music, there's this idea in heavy metal that guitarists should never play bass to their own stuff because bass lines in heavy metal are are more complex than simply the bass doubling the guitar, right? Like that's what most guitarists think bass is. Like, aren't you just doubling the guitar? It's like a little mm. bassist snob joke, <laughs> you know, like, no, we do more than double your goddamn guitars. You know, oh, that it's like the, the joke of calling inkers tracers. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, no, I'm not tracers. We're adding depth and line weight and <laughs> exactly so so but that's what i wanted to ask you like do you do you have to do anything in your brain when you're inking your own stuff to try to like 
approach it with a different mindset because you're you in both cases. And I feel like that could be a slippery slope where it leads to trouble because you just kind of play it straight and play it flat. And as a result, the inking might not be as dynamic as if you handed it to someone else. Is that something you fight? Uh, no, not at all. But I, I will say that if I did hand my stuff to an inker, it would 100% be better. I'm not a professional inker, but I know about line weight. I know about depth. I know about foreground, you know, middle ground, background. So when you have that in mind, you, you play to that when you're inking. So, you know, like if it's in the foreground, the ink's a little bit heavier. You know, if the, you know, you got the middle ground and then the background's very thin, you know. So um, I just I just go by those general rules and that's how I would do it if I was penciling tight, you know. So if I handed tight pencils to an inker, there wouldn't be a lot of guesswork for them, but they would potentially add their flair to it. So it's just like, okay, this guy, he inks a certain way. He likes to kind of flick his brush or he likes to, you know, go heavy, you know, heavy on the outlines or whatever the case is. So, you know, it's, it's all dependent. It's like, um, it's like handwriting almost, you know, like if you listen, if you're, if anyone frequents YouTube, if you listen to Richard Friends, um, his channel, he talks about other inkers and how, oh, this is totally Scott Williams. Oh, I can tell this is, you know, so-and-so because they like to use this brush and this is the technique they use. And then so there's, it's like all these intricate things that I didn't even realize were, was happening that was happening. You know, right. it's just like when I talk about some art stuff to you, you're like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. And, you know, when you talk about writing, it's, it's, it goes, you know, both yeah. ways. It's like, oh, I didn't even know that was something yeah. that one does. I mean, you just said shit that I've never thought about. So yeah, man, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So like, and it's interesting because being a penciler, uh, you know, being an artist, you would think I would think about those things. And uh, so hearing a professional inker talk about other professional inkers, it's it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, yeah, that's that's super cool. And um, it helps a lot too, like in, in the sense that I think about that when I'm inking as well. Yeah. So, uh, but the fact that, you know, I do the really loose pencils and then I just go straight to inks. It actually improves my line weight um, because I'm not I'm not focusing so much on what needs to be heavy and what needs to be light at the moment. Um, I kind of tackle it in that order. I'll, like my my lines will be all thin initially, so I, I won't go thick, you know, mm -hmm. like everything will be very thin. So it's like an outline drawing of everything. And then, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just like how I work though. Like sometimes it'll be like, okay, here's the outline of this guy. Instead of going to the next character, I'll, eh, let me just, let me just ink him up, you know? So then I'll do the line weights, the variation, and then, uh, you know, the character will be done. So, but it, the process normally is, you know, uh, single thin lines for everything. And then I go to the thick and then I go to the shading and all of those things. So, okay. No, I mean, and one of the reasons I say that, I'm actually going to shout out a uh, kind of member of the extended Kadoja family, extended, I guess, uh, you know, Keith family in terms of people that have worked on my stuff. Uh, Francesca Fantini, she does a book right now. I think she draws and inks it. It's called Steak through Scout Comics, if I remember right. But she also inked, um, I think, three issues of Kadoja Volume 3. And, you know, she is a fantastic inker. So to see those pencils... 
And then to see the depth and all the stuff that she added to him, man, I w- it was just like, wow, that is what inking does. And again, I'm, I'm a writer. I don't pay attention to that shit, you know, but it was really wild to see the pencils the way they were. And then to see Francesca just do her magic and uh, do such killer inking stuff. So, yeah, man, if you get a chance, um, throw Francesca Fantini a follow and uh, and and or check out Steak. I believe it's on Scout Comics. She she does awesome work. And I've seen it go the other way, too. So there's one artist that I follow. He actually has done a couple of variant covers for me. He's on Kickstarter exclusive covers. Uh, so it's Shaheen Lajuiz. And he does another book on the regular. He does interiors for it. And they have an inker on it. And I actually think his his the inker that they picked uh, detracts from his work. Mm. So, like... I think the inker's line is a little too heavy all of the time. There's not as much variation, and I think I think it affects the um, you know the overall work. So whereas like if you look at the very or the Kickstarter exclusive covers that I did or he did for me, I just took his pencils. I was like, he doesn't need an inker. I don't need to have someone ink this. I don't need to ink this. It's done because he mm-hmm. inks or he pencils very tightly as well. So it was just like man, this you know it's nice that the creator wants to have kind of the whole package he's got the pencil the inkler inker the letter the colorist you know he's the writer um it's nice that he wants to do that but you also have to go this guy's work is so good you don't need to do that and like uh shaheen has a very joe mad influence style like he's he's a and i mean this in the nicest way possible because i love his work he's like a joe mad clone like he draws everything the way joe mad would draw it and even to the point where joe mad wasn't even getting inked you know, like in the latter days of his comic career. So, cause everyone goes like, he doesn't need to be like, his stuff is so tight that you can go straight to colors, just darken the pencil lines in Photoshop. You're ready to roll. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the inker is doing a disservice to his work because it's, it's just so tight and he has a nice variety of line that he does himself. And, um, yeah, so it can go the other way. You know, if you don't have a good inker, you could be damaging the work. But if you have an excellent inker like Keith had, um, you know, then it's an improvement. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so what I'll do is I'll just jam out my last couple things again. Like normal, they sort of get smaller the more I I go through them. Um, So the second, really the second substantial thing is that um, when we recorded the last podcast, I was on the eve of the feedback session with my mentor for the novel. And I had the feedback session with him. And without getting too detailed, um, he basically said that, you know, the pages he read, right? Like, Like the way that I had posed the question on the previous podcast was a little loose. So I spent time trying to figure out how to tie, uh, how to tighten it up a little bit. And the best way to tighten it up would be to say, if the rest of the novel is like this, edited like this, written like this, etc., is that is that ready? Is that ready? And he basically said, I, I don't see any reason why it isn't. There's a there's a lot more to it than that. You know, like I I there was one thing that he that he commented on that I need to still put work into. But my goal is June 30th. Like, we are still three months away from that. Like, I have plenty of time to do this. You know, I still have some some passes of the novel that are part of this edit. You know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit plot and stuff all the way to the end. And that's going to be the ton of the work. And then what this really amounts to is a degree of, um, like, I need to make my character the most inhabited. You know, with, with every 
with every pass, my my lead has become more inhabited. And this is like the final level of having my character be inhabited without getting too much into the details, right? Um, so he gave me great notes and he said, if this thing gets, he said, even if this thing doesn't get addressed in terms of your first 20 pages, I think you've got enough for people to be interested, you know? So like, I don't see anything that's going to make people want to say no to this, you know? So look, tastes vary. Like this, this could be a fantastic book that nobody wants. Like it's just the way the market is. Like you can't control what you can't control, you know? And that's why, my goal, my my job is to write this novel as well as I can write it, and it's going to be done by June 30th, and I'm going to put in whatever work I need to. And then it's time to let the universe speak to me and find out how marketable it is, whether I get an agent, whether I get a publisher, etc. But for now, um, looks like it's ready. It's, it's ready as long as I put in the work and make the rest of the book equal to the first 20 pages. Was was this before the meeting? Was it before or after the thirty pages you edited? Oh, uh, the thirty pages I edited are in Act Two slash Three, so they're basically on page you know two hundred to two hundred forty of the novel. Oh, okay. what I what I got feedback on was the first twenty, and the important thing about the first twenty is whenever you send it to agents, you're going to send them your first five. It's very stand. I mean, agents differ, but most agents, when you're just trying to get their interest. You want to send them a cover letter and your first five. That first five may then lead to more, may, may lead to like, give me your first 50. You know, people don't ask for manuscripts up front because nobody likes to waste their time. So a lot of times it'll go from five to then 20 or maybe sometimes 50. And then after that, you might just, if, if they get through those 50, they're going to be like, send me the whole thing. And that's when you know that you've kind of gotten a few more, you know, uh, steps down the path. So, uh, so yeah, man, we'll see. I mean, again, it was, it was nice. It was great to hear. I am actually in the home stretch of my novel. So, uh, so yeah, man, excited, excited and a ton of work to do. And so much of the work that I do over these next couple months is going to be novel focused. We'll, we'll go from there. That's awesome, man. That's, that's such great news. You know, like after the, uh, uh, uh debacle, what, like a year or so ago with the harsh, harsh criticism no vaseline you know, baby no yeah, vaseline exactly. um to to this you know that that's excellent man i'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad but to i mean but i mean all jokes aside that review led to this review because that review as harsh as you know like i didn't have i didn't have issue with 50 percent of you know 50 percent of it was gold the other 50 was questionable and the delivery of all 100 of it was off-putting <laughs> but that doesn't change the fact that 50% of it was, was good. And look, this is called dealing with criticism. You know, like this is what happens when you put things out to people that have no stake in your fucking feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but then once you get through that and they have no stake in your feelings and then you find out that you have these things going, it's like it just makes you feel stronger. Because you're like, this person had no reason to tell me anything other than the truth. And now I've recovered from that, or they told me it was good in the first place, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, man, it's yeah. great. It's great. Um, yeah. The, um, that's, that's something, you know, you hear about is you have to develop a tough skin, you know, like whether you're an artist or a writer or whatever, if you're a creative and you're going to get feedback, you have to realize that, you know, not everything you're doing, not your first go around, it's not going to be good necessarily. Um, you know, not all of it or if any of it. So you have to be able to take that information you know, as, as rough as it is, and then, you know, put that back into the work. Okay. What did they say? You know, like you were saying, 50% of it wasn't good. Okay. Well, listen to what they're saying. If, if what they're saying to you tracks, if you look at the thing 
Like let's just use art for an example. They say, hey, your, your feet are terrible. Like feet don't look like that. Look, you know, you have feet, look at your feet, you know, or your hands or whatever the case is. The body looks stiff, you know, you need to learn anatomy. If that tracks, take that information. Don't be so defensive and saying, well, I think it looks good. Well, you're, you're you and you drew it and you probably do think it looks good. But then after you have to have that objective eye, you have to go look, if they point it out to you and you can see it, take the information, you know, roll with it because that's the only way you're going to get better. You have to be able to take that information as, as rough as it is and move forward, you know, try to apply that to your work because there's no way you're going to get better if you're just you know, asking your mom what she thinks of your work, you know, and she tells you you're great, you know, you're not going to get any better. But, yeah. you know, if you ask some strangers what's going on, they're going to tell you what's what. Totally. And I've definitely had some uh, critiques that I've done, you know, for, for artists that have come up to me and I can see the disappointment in their face. And it, and as painful as it is for you, you know, it's no, it doesn't make me feel good. You know, obviously the pain is worse for you because you're the, you're the artist, you're the one hearing the you know, potential negative review of your work or, you know, and I, and I, man, I lube that whole thing up. Like I'm very Vaseline friendly when it comes to my reviews. It's, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you up front what you do well, because, because here comes the bad, you know, mm -hmm. like I want you to, I want you to feel good about yourself before I take you down a peg, you know, because I know what it feels like on the other end of it. You know, you don't, you have to give people hope, you know, like if you're, you do see some positive in their work, you want them to keep working. Okay. Give them the positive first. Like, look, you do this very well. You know, you, Oh, you have good facial expressions or whatever the case is. And, um, you know, once they get some confidence in them, then, you know, you could bring them down a little bit and go, okay, but you need to work on this. Look, look at this, you know, and you can give them examples or whatever the case is. And, um, um, but you just got to be able to take it is all. Yeah. So exactly. be prepared for that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I had another little thing, but it's basically the Kickstarter. It's been working that, but we just talked about the Kickstarter and we'll talk about it at the end. Free Protectors Kickstarter is going on. It's been a lot of social media stuff. It is on its way. So, uh, so that's nice to see and we'll see how it all ends up. Let's get to our main topic. Hey, the best topics, Scott, are the ones that are a bit free form. And I think this one's going to be a bit free form, but I'm, I'm trusting both us and the alcohol we're drinking. <laughs> to make sure that this is a, a very fantastic main topic. And what we wanted to talk about a little bit <clears throat> is editing. I think we've, like a lot of our main topics, there's so much bleed in what we do here. You know, we can have a main topic and then say five things that touch on other topics that we've talked about. You know, just like this main topic of editing is going to touch on the, you know, this is episode 71. So it's going to touch on some things that have been in the first 70 episodes. Um, you know, from a, from a writing point of view. So the, the quote that really set this off in my head, a real quote, by the way, is the first draft of everything is shit. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway said that. Okay. So people who read, or know their way around the prose section or the fiction section, know that you could make the argument that Ernest, having, Ernest Hemingway occupies a lot of people's greatest writer ever slot, okay, in terms of how good his prose is. His first draft have sucked, and, and he made a big deal about that, you know. Um, to, again, to tie this back, I don't want to keep on, I'm not going to call out the things that we've said before, because that would be boring, but... You know, when you bring something into existence, a lot of times it sucks. And and the good thing about it is 
there's this energy behind what you're doing. You are, you're like, yes, this is exciting. I'm doing this. I'm just going for it. And I'm putting this new idea out into the world. The problem is, even for the best writers out there, even for the best artists out there, maybe the best artists, I don't know, because I'm such a sucker for pencils that so often I will see a killer pencil and I'm like, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. And then by the time they ink and color it, I'm like, meh, not as fun, (laughs) you know, Um, but that's my own style. But in terms of writing, there is there is nothing to that. You know what I mean? Like in terms of writing, there is nothing to that. Your first draft is nowhere near as good as the draft that you're going to go after that and the one after that. So in terms of writing, it means nothing. Yeah, there's something to that uh, from the art end of it. It's a kinetic energy. There's like a certain energy that you can put in your original pencils, your sketch, your thumbnails that doesn't always translate when that image is inked. You're like, oh man, that lost something. What did it lose? There's a bit of a, there's a controlled stiff, like stiffness. I don't know. I feel like that's too harsh of a word for this explanation, but there's a control to inking and pencils are loose. They're fast. It's, and that's what that, where that kinetic energy comes into place. So it's very difficult to translate that into the inks. You know, and I think that's why a lot of like, for instance, if you see a piece inked by, um, you know, the artist who who drew it, you know, Jim Lee or even Rob Liefeld, like there's a difference in how their pieces look after they ink it and how an inker inks it. There's more of a kinetic energy there because half of the time they're not even completing the pencils. They're just going straight to inks and that brings a more vibrant line to the piece itself. So, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. That, that you say that and how different that works in writing, you know, the first, your first swipe of a, of a fist punching a face can be just like a, a quick line. And you're like, that's the perfect line. Mm-hmm. And then they ink it and you're like, that doesn't look as good. Why isn't that look as good? But what yeah. you know, for writing, it's like, it's the opposite. It's like, no, no, the, the, the second draft is definitely better. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, mu- music's that way too. You know, there are plenty of tales of people where they say they'll do a demo and the demo will have this killer energy to it. And then they'll polish it up or they'll redo it or they'll redo the vocals or redo stuff. And it just isn't as good. And some of that is because they've fallen in love with the demo and the demo has therefore become the song. But I mean, there's a lot of truth to this whole, the demo just feels better and it's more raw. Like I felt that mm-hmm. way about numerous Big Pimp Jones songs back in the day. And uh, it's just sort of the way it is. But uh, so the good news is in writing, uh, there's no way you're right. You know, like you can think your first draft is perfect. Trust me, man, it's not perfect. And that's where editing comes in. What you want to do is you want to just make sure that you're going over it and continuing to do pass after pass after pass. Because the first draft of a comic script is something that is built on a skeleton that I'm building out. So it's not like I'm just freeforming it or anything like you might with a novel. But generally, I will write that first draft and then I will let it sit just a few days so that I'm not looking at it. And then in my case, I go back and I give it one more pass to make sure it's sensible. And that's when I do my first round of editing. Sometimes I will do a second round of editing. So that's a total of three drafts already before I even send it to Mike for review. Because, you know, by being an invader, I have the advantage of having access to the editor-in-chief who wants to, like, edit my stuff. But if you're not, if you don't have that kind of access, get peers to do it. Get somebody to do it so that they're keeping an eye on that. For Three Protectors, I mean, I gave you and Ed and Gary 
basically finished versions of the book and said, look, this is finished, but it's not finished. You tell me what you see. And you guys all came back with really interesting notes. Um, and I was able to incorporate a fair amount of them. Um, and the nice thing is all three of you had different notes to give, which was super cool. So, you know, it's, it's the passes, it's the fine tuning, it's the changes you make as you go through from your first draft to maybe, you know, in comics, you know, maybe three, four drafts is about as many as you're going to do. In novels, it can be much, much more. Right. Um, yeah, going back to the music element of it, it's like, uh, like you were saying with your funk albums, you thought the funk versions, like there's a couple of early tracks, your first takes that you're like, no, that was better. And then like going back to polishing and whatnot, it's just the jazz. Jazz mm-hmm. is all on instinct, right? Like you're just jamming with each other, you're filling each other out. And there's there's an energy to that. You know, you're just you're just working off each other. You're moving, you're swaying, you're flowing. It's all good. Um, and uh, I have a an example of where that's totally true. Is uh, are you are you familiar with Matisse Yahoo? Yeah, yeah. It, it, Live at Stubbs was his first album, and it was one of my favorite albums. I listened to for years, over and over and over and over again, until he came out with a second album, which was a studio release. And everything was polished, and I didn't like it. I was like, this is not it. This isn't, you know, after it was, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you like the band, so you just keep listening to it over and over and over again. And eventually you're like, okay, okay, this track's cool, this track's cool. Mm -hmm. But it's just that live at Stubbs, the first time I listened to it, I was like, everything is fire as fuck on this album. Like, like, don't change a thing on it, you know? And so um, it's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about here, like the editing aspect of it. But I just thought that was such an interesting point. I had to bring it up when you brought up music. I was like, I got a perfect example. We got to talk about this. Like, it's tough to delineate this because that live album, it still had a lot of work. It had songs he had crafted. They had crafted in advance. You know, what you like is the element of the live ambiance to the room for songs that had already been polished and written. So right, in a way, right. the editing thing still holds. They weren't, you know, okay, let's go deep in the music here. It's not Trouble Funk Live, okay? There's a record out there. If you like go-go music or funk, check out Trouble Funk Live. It's basically a 60-minute funk jam. That's all it is, right? But it's loose as hell. So you have to like that to really appreciate it. But this Matishahu album, that's that's a polished live set of songs that had taken years to craft in advance of that set. So I will say that 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 wasn't quite a first draft that we're talking about, you know. Oh, okay. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I will say that the, the difference, though, is the um, the polish that the second album had was all the studio edit to it. Oh, this has got echo on it. You know, this yeah. it's you know it, it's that was the aspect of it that I didn't like. It was just totally. like, you know, I grew up. Uh, my brother was in a heavy metal band ever since I was a little kid, so I grew up going to heavy metal concerts my entire life, like my childhood, I should say. And um, so I just knew about that raw energy and that feel. So when I got the kind of button up studio version of that album, you know, which I heard many before that. But it was just kind of like you really feel the difference of it. But yeah. uh, going back to going back to comics, the thing I could talk about um, that relates is we've talked about it many times here. The first issue of Second Shift, I look back at it and I go, "There's so many things that I want to change, but there's so many things that I like about it as well." And so, like the benefit of what I'm going to do is I'm keeping all of the stuff that I love, you know. But I'm going back, excuse me, and I'm going to polish up 
you know, the images that I didn't like, well, that doesn't work. I can tell the, the perspective is off on that. Everyone can tell the perspective is off on that. You know, maybe not because I didn't know when I was drawing it, but I also had just been wrestling for 10 years and coming back to the comics game and just the, the first five pages, I literally just started drawing again. So there's just so much going on there that needed to be fixed that um, I'm just like, man, I'm going to redo that whole first, you know, opening, opening scene, you know, and uh, uh, that's the edits I'm going to do. And that's like when you were talking about Infinite Kung Fu, that his single issues, like I think he, you said he changed in the trade, right? Like there's yeah. pages that he's you just redrew everything, out. dude. I was actually going to bring that up. I had written it down. Yeah. Hive mind, yeah. baby. That's that's what 71 episodes together does. <laughs> I'm going to give a death metal version because that's what I do. There's a death metal band out there called Sanguis Ugabug. Their first record was so good, and it's just mean death metal, and it's raw, and it's nasty, right? And then they did a second album through like a, a kind of bigger label, and it's all polished and produced. It sucks. Like, it sucks. <laughs> I have never had a band go from, oh my God, this is a fun little band I can put in my pocket and tell everybody about, to this record sucks. I have never had a band go from from one polar opposite to the other like that. It's insane. But that's the songs too. You know, it's not just the production, it's the songs. And, but let's, let's bring this back to comics yet again. Um, I think the energy that, that you've talked about, that we've been talking about is important in a way, because if not the way, because that's what editing is in a lot of ways, you know, like your goal is to keep the energy but get rid of the mistakes and the sloppiness and, and the bad things that you had. You know, the energy is going to stay. That's, that's good editing. Good editing is going through all this stuff and realizing what shit is good. Because the good shit is the shit that you build around. And then you get rid of the bad stuff. You build around the good stuff. And then you go from there. And guess what? And then you do it again. Because that's editing. You know? Again, in comics... Comics are shorter doses. You know, we're talking about 22 pages of content versus novels that are 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 times that. So the amount of work you put into those pages is obviously going to expand big time as you get more pages. But with comics, in a lot of cases, comics are done on the deadline. You know, if you're a a professional for one of the big companies, you have like monthly deadlines or bi-monthly deadlines. And if you're a person out there in the indie world, you probably should be setting your own deadlines. So you don't want to get too lost in the in the swirl of confusion. But that's the important part of editing. You know, it's it's looking at at, at your stuff objectively, getting other people to look at it objectively if you can't, understanding what is good and building around that, tearing down the bad stuff and then building around the good stuff. So 100% of it is the good stuff. So in a weird way, I think, talking about the energy like we did is still relevant to the importance of editing. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, like editing, like you said, the bringing the bad stuff forward, eliminating it, reworking it, you know, making it, you know, more clean, more polished. Um, it sounds like the mixed message that we're giving is we don't like overly polished music, but we do enjoy overly polished comics. So, you know, or at least I do, uh, Keith, you prefer the raw art style. So, but that's the difference between art and writing, you know, like there's various stages of, of art or, or different degrees of, uh, art that people like, you know, just techniques, 
styles, all of that. Where writing, it's just like, yeah, you want to have it polished. You want to have it uh, consistent, concise. You know, don't overwrite. Don't underwrite. Like, there's yeah. just this nice middle ground that you have to hit. It's it's about the message you want to send. Maybe that's an argument for why overpolished studio albums are what they are. Like, who the fuck cares what the reverb is on the second snare? You know, like, it's a song. And people right. are going to like it. And maybe if you thought less about that and, and moved on to the next thing and just released some craft into the world, we'd all be better. There's some charm to that, too. Um, the Weezer Blue album, there's one song. I believe it's the Sweater song. It's uh, Rivers Cuomo. His voice cracks. Like he's holding a long note and it cracks mm-hmm. right in the middle of it. And I love that. I don't know why. But it makes, it's like, yeah, they're human. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they play these, these these instruments and whatever, but his voice cracks in the middle of, like, one of the best albums, in my opinion. You know, it's just like one of the best albums I ever heard. And, uh, you know, from top to bottom, I love the whole thing. You know, yeah. I was a teenager when it was released. So, you know, it's right in the wheelhouse. But, um, yeah, when I heard the voice crack, I was just like, there's something to that. Like, that was a choice to leave that in there. You, yeah. you know, like, they probably said, do you want to take that over? No, no, no. That That's how it is, you know. Uh, all right, man. It's it's time to talk nonsense a little bit, yeah? Um, but this isn't nonsense. This is about taking some time to unwind and kind of get your batteries charged. So you go first, man. You took a pretty cool-looking trip. Why don't you uh, why don't you summarize it a little bit, yeah? Yeah, we went to, uh, me and my girlfriend, we went to uh, Playa de Carmen. It's very close to Cancun. It's probably about 40 minutes away from Cancun. And, uh, man, we stayed at the Viceroy, which is a very expensive hotel. Um, but, um, you know, we got in, uh, you know, we, we got, we got taken care of, let's just say that. And it was an all inclusive trip and, uh, man, it, I cannot recommend all inclusive more, uh, just based off of this trip. It was so insane. It was so beautiful out there. Uh, initially I was worried about the weather, she was saying that like the lows would be 75 like at night and it wasn't even bad at all like honestly it was really pleasant like I never needed a jacket um I was in shorts and flip-flops or sandals the whole time uh, you know just on the beach we were just chilling out all day long honestly I should have gotten more work done um like with the amount of time we spent on the beach but i was just enjoying my time so much there that it just it wasn't a priority the work just wasn't sometimes you just need to recharge you know like keith just said and i needed it i needed to relax and just chill out and you know i worked on that that cover a bit but uh, overall i was just enjoying my time you know we were we had our own personal pool back at our hotel our our, our room and um you know, we had like indoor showers, outdoor showers. They're both waterfall style. It was just so amazing. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful scenery. We went to a cenote, which is like uh, underground, uh, uh, like bed of water, essentially. And uh, it was just so beautiful. I'll be posting them up on my Instagram. I had them in my stories, but I'm just going to go through and take the best photos and uh, just just put it in a post so you guys could see it there. You can check out all the cool stuff that we saw or did while we were there. And it was just awesome, man. Just like the beginning of the day, we're just getting up, going to have breakfast. We're just getting just the best food, you know, like the coolest. It was just so cool because it was all inclusive. You can order everything off of the menu and it just cost you nothing. Mm-hmm. And you just, uh, the one, the one thing I did learn is it's not like 
it's not like, um, well, I, I guess not everyone has the point of reference, but like if you go to TJ, like when I was younger, I, we'd go to TJ to drink and stuff and everything was just dirt cheap. Everything was a dollar, $2 or whatever. And so we took, we got there and the Viceroy driver picked us up 40 minutes away, 35, 40 minutes away. And then I give him the, the, you know, the, the $5 handshake thinking he would be you know, happy he got a, got a tip or whatever. And like, I kind of look back and he just didn't look as happy as I thought he would. And, um, I come to realize that this is a five-star resort. He's used to getting paid good money, like in tips every single time. So, uh, yeah, the, the tipping percentage was exactly like you would tip here in the States. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, Oh, I just stiffed that guy. Like he should have got at least 10, mm -hmm. but, uh, I didn't know at the moment. I thought I was hooking him up a little bit, but, uh, you know, I kind of learned from there. And, uh, so that, that was kind of a fun learning experience. Cause I tipped a couple of people and they were just kind of whatever. And I was like, man, these, these people are, they're not, they're not looking like I thought they would look. And then, yeah. uh, you know, from there on out, it was just like, all right, everyone's just getting 15%, you know, like you didn't have to do 18. Uh, my girlfriend was like, no, they like you tip five or 10% here. And I was like, after those first two people, everyone's getting 15. Yeah. Like everyone's 15%. I'm going to yeah. make up for those. <laughs> oh, good, man. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, the ability to, to kind of recharge like that is cool. And uh, a lot of times when you set out to recharge, you know, you find that you've recharged quicker than you thought. And before you know it, you're back working on stuff again. So no, man, mm -hmm. that's good. That's Yeah, good. the five days was five days was the perfect amount of time away. I'll say that because everyone's just like, oh, you're going to. Are you going to hate coming back? And, you know, even, even Daniela, she was like, you know, are you ready to go back home or you, are you ready to not leave or you don't want to leave? And I was like, no, no, we, we need to get back to our dogs. We need to get back to um, our, our life. Essentially. It's like five days of pampering is enough for me. Like, yeah. I'm just not, I'm not built that way. I'm not built to do nothing all the time. And so getting five days of it was just like, okay, my batteries have been recharged and I need to go back. I need to work on things. I need to get back to my routine. Like, I love routine. Um, you know, it's just, I like to keep things orderly. You know, it's just like, well, things aren't going to get done if we're just over here, you know, goofing off for longer than five. So, but but it was the perfect amount of time. And I'm glad to be back and, you know, doing the pod and, and you know, doing the things that we love over here. Yeah, man. Settling back in for sure. Um, so, yeah, I actually had a... a little bit of a weekend getaway myself and I went to Vegas and uh, so people you know the funny thing about living in California I mean anywhere San Diego LA area San Francisco it does not matter like you go to Vegas a lot it's just what we do you know it's there aren't that many you know the, the thing about living on the west coast is there really aren't that many cities around you know if you live in Philadelphia when I lived in Philadelphia you can go to New York you can go to Washington, you can go to Baltimore, you can go to Pittsburgh, you can go to Boston. All of these places are pretty close, all said and done. In LA, like Vegas is about the closest place, not counting San Diego, which is sort of LA anyway. You know, like, yeah, they're they're different. I I you know, I favor San Diego a little bit. You know, it just seems to be more in line with my vibe. But uh but yeah, Vegas is where you go or the Bay Area is where you go. Like there and there aren't any other cities. Like Phoenix is the next closest one, and that's only slightly closer than than San Francisco is from from where we are. So uh so yeah, man, weekend trips to Vegas are a thing, you know, and uh and so I've mentioned before on the podcast, I, I think for sure, that uh, the, I love Silk Sonic. 
um, the Bruno Mars Anderson Pock Supergroup, and uh, my wife got tickets for it. So we went to Vegas for the you know the the high point was going to be the Silk Sonic show. So we ended up getting in Vegas, and um, you know we got into town Friday night at 10 p.m. Um, because, you know, you got to leave and then get get all that fun traffic coming out of L.A. and going to Vegas. It's about three, three and a half hours if you don't have any traffic. But uh, traffic is a thing, especially going to Vegas on a Friday. So we get in and my wife had made reservations. So I'm, I'm going to shout out the first thing that was super cool, which is there is a tiki bar there called the Golden Tiki. It is in Chinatown and it is in like a standard strip mall. Like you're yeah. just you're you're just there and you're like, oh, there's the golden tiki right there. It's in a strip mall. Dude, you open the door and then it's like kind of like this stone wall with a waterfall, and then you open another door and it's a fucking sick ass tiki bar. Like it is yeah. so dope, dude. So much fun. And I knew I was gonna have a good weekend because when I walked in, the DJ was playing like like the hard funk, brother. Like it was a band called so I Shazam. I'm I'm a music junkie, so I just Shazam shit all the time. It was a band called the Great Revivers, who is actually on the funk label that one of our singles came out on Funk Night Records. Um, the Great Revivers are awesome. So I was like, once I heard that, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a good weekend, son. And then uh, played through a set. You know, obviously funk was one of the little mini sets. Then he went to you know uh, reggae and you know fifties rock and all because it's a tiki bar. But uh, so, so good, man. I got to drink the kind of drink where you like, it's got three types of rum in it and you like set the shit on fire and you have to blow <laughs> it out. Yeah, man. Yeah. And um, and it was interesting because we're drinking this beer right now. And, you know, beers kind of follow like a, I think, I think the buzz for one beer, which is generally what I drink all the time, just one, you know, an evening, most evenings. It's like, it's like the initial drop of a roller coaster. You know what I mean? Like you kind of slowly chug your way up and then you reach the peak. And then before you know it, it's like over, right? Like that's, that's how that is. Well, this thing, whatever the hell was in this drink, like at, at one point about an hour in, it just sort of built and built and built. And then about an hour in, I turned it, turned to my wife and I was like, we've reached cruising altitude. <laughs> like and then, and then that shit just stayed like it just stayed like i'm just That's not perfect. used yeah i'm not used to that dude so yeah man i was at cruising altitude for a while it was a good time um the the silk sonic show was fantastic you know uh i actually it was one of the best shows i've ever seen in my life those dudes are amazing performers it, it's a throwback show in line with like watching the temptations you know with like synchronized dancing and playing to the audience and all this stuff they did not just all the Silk Sonic songs, but they did individual songs from both oh. Anderson Pac and Bruno Mars. Obviously, Bruno Mars is like, you know, global mega star, and Anderson right. Pac's no slouch. Um, and they played my favorite Anderson Pac song. So uh, it blew my mind. I was just. What's your favorite Anderson Pac? Uh, Come Down. Are you familiar with Come Down by Anderson Pac? I'm Pac? not. Dude. I'll, I'll have to hear it. Yeah. It's it's in all kinds of commercials. It's well known for like its badass bass line. It's going like. Anyway, it's fucking badass, dude. It's it's in all kinds of like sports commercials and shit like that. But the okay. second those initial notes came in, like I lost my mind and uh, <laughs> like straight up, man, the roof you lost blew. your rum filled mind. Yeah. Well, not only that, but um, the thing was that no phones, no phones in the show. It was fantastic. Oh, okay. And in fact, uh, so they, they did the thing where they, they lock do them. those bags. Yeah. They did those block bags. Okay. And uh, so three, four songs in, 
Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac, like this slow funk jam comes and they're like, Vegas, how you doing? Like, you're going to have a good night, right? Like, we're having a good night too. And you want to know why? Because we took your phones away. We took your phones <laughs> away. And they, they made like a whole big three minute song talking shit to the audience about how they took their phones away. Dude. <laughs> it was so great. It was so nice. great. How was it? Was it a hassle to get in like the whole taking the phones thing? No, it really wasn't. I mean, they, they did their best to streamline it. And uh, I mean, it was probably an extra like 45 seconds to a minute through like the whole oh, wow. security scan your tickets thing. Like it really wasn't that long. And even on oh, the okay. way out, they just put people everywhere and then they like unlocked your phone and you could do what you want with your life man it was really great oh that's awesome so you still had your phone on you but it was just in a bag that you couldn't it was in a bag yeah yeah so the nice thing is if somebody had to get a hold of me i actually have an apple watch so it could have just beeped through you know i could have seen oh yeah it was it was was bumming me out though because there were a couple sports scores i wanted to check but you know what can you do what can you do yeah that's awesome we had tapas and it was dope but i wanted to mention one other thing I'm, i'm gonna give i'm gonna give the world a travel tip out there If you find yourself in Vegas ever and you go to the Miracle Mile shops, because the place we stayed was in the Miracle Mile. There's like Planet Hollywood. There's like a timeshare hotel there. There's all kinds of stuff. And then there's the Miracle Mile shops. If you find yourself there and you come across a restaurant where uh, every entree is $5 and every beer is $3, do not stop there. Do not eat Let, that's, a, there's, that's a reason. There's a reason let, why it's that low. Let my loss be your gain, <laughs> you know, because I thought they're like, and, and you know, you should know when the menu says shit like we take an eight ounce Angus burger and then grill it to perfection. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> Look what you're doing. Like you grill that shit to perfection, son. And dude, that came out like I would have taken... I would have taken like what? What is the worst fast food burger you can think of? What's the worst fast food burger? Oh, I, I don't know, man. See, I would, I, I, I would say McDonald's cheeseburger, but I mean, McDonald's no, cheeseburgers are are a thing. I really like the. I, I you know what I don't I love like McDonald's cheeseburgers. Yeah, I would say Burger King. I don't like Burger King okay. food. Yeah, the only the only thing I like at Burger King is their insanely cheap chicken nuggets. Yeah. I was like, these are actually pretty decent for like, you get like 10 nuggets for a dollar. I was like, there's yeah. no way these are good. That's no 10 way. cents yeah. a nugget. Yeah. Like, how are you making money on these? You're and then sure shit. enough, I have some. I'm like, these ain't bad. These ain't bad. <laughs> I still don't know how they're staying in business, but fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, dude. So like Burger it, like a Burger King burger would have been, I, I seriously wished I was eating McDonald's. And I was just like. Man, McDonald's would be so much better right now. And what was worse oh, yeah. was we we turned down Panda Express for it. Because we, oh, okay. we knew we were having a fancy dinner. And we're like, we just need sustenance. Let's do sustenance. And there's a yeah. Panda Express. And we're like, but look, we can sit down and have a whole fucking meal for $5. <laughs> five fucking dollars, you know? Like, Panda is 10. Like, how is this not great? And yeah, Panda yeah, would have been so much better. I was, I was just craving. I was like, I could be eating Panda orange chicken right now. You know, but I'm not, but I'm not. God damn it. God damn it. So anyway, let, let my loss be your gain world. Okay. Like just remember this tip. It'll come back to you. Just trust me. Go to golden Tiki. Do not go to the $5 place. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Speaking of alcoholic beverages, that was also inclusive. So I was pretty much drinking the whole time we were there to the point where we're leaving Monday morning at 3 a.m. So, the airlines uh, fucked us. So we were leaving out of Mexico. We we're leaving out of TJ. 
we're going to cross the border straight into their their airport i think it's cbx and so we booked our tickets two weeks before our trip they changed our flights without asking they just changed our flights Mm -hmm. and they tried to send us um have a stay two days longer and we're like what the heck is this so you know my girlfriend had to go through and fix everything and after it was all said and done we had two no stops like just straight through flights so both of our flights turned into flights with layovers and they charged us more money for it so we got worse flights for more money yeah the benefit of this was it cost in the states it would cost us eight hundred dollars per person to fly to uh, cancun but if you go in through mexico you cross the border and you fly out of mexico it was eight hundred dollars total mm. so it's just like okay it's half off and then after the whole crap with them changing our flights this this was the worst part of the whole trip by the way yeah. before we even left so they ended up charging us 200 more dollars so it was like a thousand dollars 500 you know per person so okay we we get in or so sunday night going back to my original start of the story i was drinking every day so sunday night rolls around we're leaving at three in the morning i'm like yeah i'm not drinking today it's just not happening i don't want to feel messed up we got to wake up super early to the point <laughs> Where at dinner, they're like, oh, you know, like, oh, what would you like to drink? Daniela, she orders some wine. And then, okay, and for you, sir. And I was just like, oh, I'll just get a Sprite. And they go like, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) But you're Scott Lost. (laughs) Yeah. One day, uh, the Saturday, it was the day before, actually. uh, they, They told me about this drink. I was like, do you have any other drinks? Like, because I was getting, like, tequila sunrises, like... You know, Danielle was getting Mai Tais, so I got some Mai Tais. I was having some beers, just like Corona Lights. And I was like, you know what, I want to try something else. Do you guys have something here? You know, like, do you have any fancy drinks that, you know, you can recommend? And they were like, oh, you can get tequila cream. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And it essentially tastes like horchata with tequila in it. But it's like, not, oh, the tequila isn't overwhelming. It actually surprisingly works very well together. And it doesn't sound like it would, tequila and cream. But uh, yeah, it kind of no. tasted like a horchata. Okay. And uh, I was like, well, this is my new shit because it was in like a scotch glass as opposed to a tall glass. So like the tequila sunrise, you're drinking a shitload of sugar yeah. to get, you know, get to get through all the booze, you know, the shot of tequila or two shots, whatever they're putting in there. And I was like, well, this is half the size. So I did that. At the end of the day, we got our, um, they still give you a receipt, even though it's free. Um, and it's, it's so you know how much to tip basically. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like looking at it it was 15. I had 15 of them. <laughs> and so the, <laughs> the next day they're that, so the next day they're like, are you okay? How come you don't want to drink? <laughs> <laughs> because I killed a man last night. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God. God. Good Lord, son. Man, yeah. you did it. You did it. That is. That oh, is and you know what else we did while we were there? We had two different massages. So, like, we got in on a Wednesday. I think our first massage was on Thursday or Friday. And then our last massage was, massage was on Sunday. So, it was... And they were 80-minute massages. It's... Oh, my God. You you haven't lived until you had an 80-minute massage. It's, mm. it's just the best. They work over 
every single body part front and back. Well, not every single body part. You know hey, I mean, now. Hey, hey, hey. Mexico. Hey, that's, that's extra. I hey. was about to book my trip. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, we got um, like kind of like a couple's massage. We were in the same yeah. room with each other and, uh, you know, it was cool, man. It do you, was do you get massages amazing. back home? Do you get massages? I do not. No, oh, I do. No, I do. So this, this might be the difference between being your age and being my age because massages at my age, they are preventative maintenance, man. You know, like mm. I can stand around and work on a computer and all of a sudden I get tweaks in like my back and, uh, and man, so like I do massages. My, my wife talked me into them cause she was like, I just try it. You know, and then I tried it. I was like, fuck, I feel pretty good, you know? And, yeah. uh, so yeah, man, I actually do 60 minute massages about once a month cause dude, oh, it's well. just necessary. It's just necessary. Um, so yeah, man, I'm glad, I'm glad that, that I'm going to look yeah. into it. I'm going to look into do like, I'm just so, you know conservative with the dollar i'm just like ah you know i'm fine i'm fine it's just a luxury you're just doing something a little extra for yourself i'd rather buy you know it's like i'd rather buy an expensive comic book totally instead of i was gonna uh, go there if you didn't exactly it's it's i'd rather i'd rather buy a pair of sneakers than get a massage but right you know now now i'm starting to try to i'm trying to change that because the massages matter and they help you know and uh you know i'll just wear the sneakers i have yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Well, we should probably wrap this up then. I mean, maybe I should do one little collector note, which is I sent you a photo that I kind of got oh, yeah. my last mini sort of grail of the books I wanted to collect, which was Spider-Man 361, the first Venom. I got it at a really good price. It just showed up the other day, and I was I was impressed with the condition. So, yeah, man, I can check that box. And I'm sort of in a clearing right now. Um, so we'll see. You know, like I, I, I'm happy with the clearing. There's nothing I particularly want, and uh, that's a good place to be because I can just get comics and read them and enjoy them and uh, and go from there. Oh, one random thing before we sign off here. Let me I, let me let me piggyback onto the comic thing. Yeah, so man. Off of that. Oh, you got something? Same, same. I oh. I'm I'm in the clear too. Um, so I last episode I talked about collecting the TMNT IDW hardcovers. I got the last two that I needed. Yeah. Uh, someone had posted. Um, them relatively cheap for what they were going like I think the idea that IDW is going to lose the license it mm-hmm. shot the hardcovers up in price well this guy had them for like $32 with shipping yeah and it was just like oh shit yeah so I I got both of them I think I got yeah. one of them for 20 because he had them for best offer oh, it was yeah. like free shipping and best offer so I got so, I think he had them both at 35 and I got one for 27 I got one for 30 uh, oh, with the awesome. shipping and that's I'm like awesome. done yeah, and, uh, that's yeah, awesome. So, so I finished, and I'm in the clear too. I'm not yeah. looking for anything. Like the only stuff that I'm looking for is relatively cover price, mm-hmm. like books like Time Before Time. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm missing a couple issues of that. Radiant Black is another title I'm looking for random issues of. I just, um, I apparently like I read the first two issues and I was like, it's it's okay. And then I stopped buying them. And then everyone's like, no, it gets really good. It's really good. So I'm just like scrambling now to get the books that I missed out on, like voluntarily missed out on. So I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt for those. But um, yeah, that's just modern stuff that you can get relatively cheap. So totally. I'm not I'm not sweating it. I'm with you. I'm with you. But uh, all right. Well, yeah. So we're, we're sort of in the clear and we'll see where that takes us, uh, you know, now that now that we're in the clear. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, now and we can find brand new shit to want. So uh, anyway. Uh, so with that, you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. That is the uh, Instagram handle that I am updating almost daily, you know, probably five times a week. And then 
for your giant monster needs, I do update the at Kadoja Kaiju, all one word, if you just want to ride that giant monster train. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yep, in terms of my website, it is KeithRFoster.com. I have some stuff there. I'm going to update another article, just a link to another article on iHorror that got published. I talked about some very cool horror comics that you can get for cheap in the back issue bins. So you can always go to iHorror.com as well and search for me. And you'll get my most recent article as well as some other ones. And of course, uh, if you're listening to this on Monday the 28th and it's sort of the middle of the day, then the Kickstarter is about to finish. And if you haven't backed three protectors, then please do so. It is Kung Fu in Space. Um, I'm excited about it. I The book's fun. It's violent. It encapsulates everything I love about Kung Fu and science fiction. The artistic team um, was so fun to work with and they're all awesome dudes and awesome, talented people. So Three Protectors, Kung Fu in Space ending today. And you can find my comic, Second Shift, uh, Minimum Wage Workers during the day, Superheroes at Night, and Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans at AccidentalAliens.com. I also do uh, some stories in the Accidental Alien Anthologies 2018 and 19, and Tales from the Mothership. You can find short stories in those uh, books uh, at AccidentalAliens.com. It never fucking works. It never works. It never fucking works. All right, let's talk about giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Have you done it? If so, then thank you. We love those. And if you haven't, and you have like three minutes in your day, and you want to throw us five stars and write some nice words, please do. It helps. You know, we're, we're happy to say that the listenership continues to increase. And that's because you, fair listener, have decided to take the algorithm gods and make them work for us. And you can keep on smiting those algorithm gods by throwing us five stars and giving us some nice words on Apple Podcasts. And of course, also doing five stars on Spotify through the magic rave party method of figuring that out and solving multiple puzzles <laughs> that'll probably end up not only with you like allowing to rate us, but you'll probably get some like cryptocurrency in the in the meantime. I'm not sure. <laughs> These puzzles seem pretty elaborate. They're just giving that that stuff away. Yeah. Um, it's like it's imaginary. <laughs> and if you <laughs> you like this episode or didn't like this episode, let us know, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any ideas for future topics that you guys want us to talk about, we haven't talked about or didn't talk about enough, uh, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com or any of our social medias. Hit us up on those. Uh, you guys have been doing that. We appreciate that. So, um, oh, yeah, I think I actually have. Now that I'm saying that out loud, I actually have something. So hopefully you guys haven't stopped listening to us. Why would you? Um, okay, so the first one, uh, I just started listening to the Making Comics podcast, and you guys very briefly talked You know what? Hold on a second. Let's cut that. Let's let's put that on the next episode. I think we yeah. get some mileage out of that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just put the cool sound in, and so that'll be a topic for future episodes. Plus, it was extremely graphic and profane. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's a shorter one. Uh, so we just edited that out too. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that again as well. So we're so glad. So first of all, thank you for submitting those questions. We were rhyming off the dome. And then it turned out that they were both so good 
that we're going to talk about them with a little more length instead of at like the 85 minute mark of a podcast. <laughs> right. We're going to we're going to give you guys a little more shine uh, that you deserve <laughs> because one, we've been drinking yeah. Two, we've both been on vacation. So maybe yeah. our brains aren't working at a, you know, 100 <laughs> percent. So, yeah. What is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, those are two really good questions and we'll give them some more shine on the next episode. Let's do that. All right, sounds good. Yeah, and with that, hey, we did it. World's best cup of, cup of coffee. We we made it through, and uh, we will. So Scott, good chilling with you, and uh, and I'll see you next week, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>